0: I'm Alex Mito, and I'm James Milley, and this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to the Artist Business Plan, and that is because we are back from summer vacation. And what a summer it's been. We've been all over the map. We were in the Dutch Caribbean and Curaçao and Bonaire. We went to I went to Provincetown. We've been out in Shelter Island. It's been lovely, but we're excited to be back here with you. And we're also super excited to be less than 30 days away from our first New York City fair since 2019. We've locked down an incredible venue that just blocks away from Bryant Park in Midtown with 20,000 square feet, and it's on Fifth Avenue. We're going to be there from September 30th to October 3rd with over 150 artists and 5,000 collectors who are hungry and excited to buy your work. The fair is over 90% full, but we've got a very small handful of booths still available in each of the programs, and we want to open it up to you, ABP listeners, and give some of you the opportunity to exhibit with us in New York City this fall. If you want to learn more about how to apply and how to schedule a call with James, you can visit www.superfine.world sell your art. We've got less than 10 booths available and applications have a hard close on September 21st. So hurry up and book your call so we can start promoting you and your art today. As you know, if you've been listening with us and if you're new, I'm Alex Mito. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. At Superfine, we're the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S., and we're also one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. Today, we've got Cheslin Pierre-Paul here with us on the mic. Cheslin is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how, how to leverage what makes you unique. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what Cheslin has to tell us. But first, I've got an amazing offer here for you ABP listeners coming right up. Artists,
1: have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Art Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start
0: helping you sell more art today. All right, so we're back here with Cheslin Pierre-Paul, and we're ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Cheslin is Queer EO of Cheslin Inc., a global transformation coaching and social impact consulting digital company on innovation, economic empowerment, and rebellious leadership. They are also a digital media activist, anti-colonialist, Poet and the founder of the International Anti-Colonial Summit of 2021, as well as an independent scholar on Afro-Indigenous digital storytelling. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Chesley.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Super so excited to have this conversation with you.
0: Yeah, it's such a pleasure. So before we dive into it, I want to ask you something that'll help our listeners get to know the real you. And the question is, what is the earliest memory that you have of art?
2: Hmm. Wow. I would say I can clearly envision myself and the house that we had. And at the time I was, you know, I was a lone child and have my brother yet. And I would be in the basement. We have this carpet and I remember carving out pictures. And instead of having Barbies, I would draw people and I would create little houses for them. And I would use the carpet as my microverse. I would populate it with my pictures and. I could spend hours on end talking to myself to literally pieces of paper in the basement. So that would be one of my earliest memories of how I would engage through art. and it was a very organic reflex of extending how I felt internally and just using it as a way to populate the physical space that I was in from you know six years on, uh, old and onwards. I love
0: that. And and so many people's stories, they always start with childhood and the art that's around us when we grow up and these experiences that we have when we're so young. So I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Thank you so much.
2: Sure. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the the art, I feel just awakens the child in all of us. And then we carry that into adulthood and just mature our understanding of how that empowers us to be free. So
0: I love that sentiment of awakening the inner child in all of us. So my first question for you is, how can our listeners create a narrative around their art to push the framing of their art beyond art? Like, how do we create a broader narrative around the art?
2: For me, there's this concept of transdisciplinary intelligence, and I feel it's the way to never exhaust your operational energy to extend, you know, how you do art be- beyond your own scope. So for me, it tells basically reaching out to people who operate in in media that are very remote from my own. And when we engage in conversations open-ended and we ask different questions and we just sit and we take in the scope of their work, it enriches naturally what we do from a technical perspective and also having that element of curiosity and thinking of how can we use what we do as a bridge towards other spaces. For me on a practical realm, I would say a platform that's been really great to get me to that space more exponentially has been Clubhouse, the application. And you select the room that you want and you connect with people. And from that place to give you more of a context, I'm creating now a very interesting visual performance art project online with an artist that I met there. And my background is in languages, linguistics, storytelling, and their background is in doing those, those live performance arts. So we were introduced to you know one another's work, and I really love how you know, that artist looks at art as a language of love and the universalization of all of that. And me coming from a much more activistic, you know, language-based background, just looking at how we are saying the same thing in different languages, and different spaces, and how are elements of texture, which is to say adding more depth to my work that I also get to benefit from in our interaction. So I would say just reaching out to something that shifts a paradigm away from our norm. So when I walk into a space, my way of being and doing art is not a pre-established understanding. And then listening in, I can just have, you know, a little piece of paper, what have you. And I know down who are my soul crushes or the people that truly, you know, just inspire me to do and to think different and then reach out to them and see how it snowballs from there. But I would say having that curiosity, thinking transdisciplinarily, becoming a bridge between your art and somebody else's, and also think of how can we reconcile this within you know, social justice, social transformation as well? So we have content on the social level, and then we have form uh, through art, and then we make the two operational implements of the other.
0: I, I love that. And I love that term transdisciplinary. So being able to kind of transcend the discipline of the art you're creating and, and meld it and contextualize it with other art and other things that are going on in a broader context, I I love that and and keeping that curiosity intact as well, because I think that's so important and not to begin to get cynical about the work you're creating, whether it's art, whether it's business, whatever it is you do, but to keep that curiosity that keeps you attached to the broader schema, I guess. So your mission is one of anti-oppression. How can artists tap into their cultural history and ancestral backstory to develop rich and meaningful work?
2: Yes. Art is such a powerful medium because it transcends word itself and language. And so you can, you know, open up space to people who are not historically aligned or connected, but then create that space of belonging and connection. So if I give a bit of an example in terms of my background in art, you know, I'm just creating this this project, which is, again, transdisciplinary, and how I tap into my narrative of anti-oppression to then create different art um, art that matters for people who care, like Seth Godin says, I, I look at my ancestry and how we are underrepresented. And so, you know, my background is in an Afro-Indigenous language uh, of a Haitian Creole. And I'm thinking, okay, we have a, such a rich history of oral stories, and it's not seen as what it is. And so I just, you know, again, took pen to paper and wrote down all the things that are so unique and full of richness, but are also the most invisibilized aspects of who I am, right? Or to flip the script on other people is saying about, you know, everything that you are that makes you such a rich singularity in this world, and cross-reference that against everything you aren't expected to be when we compare you against a stereotype or against a standard. And then play with the dissonance of those things. And that becomes how you can leverage your art to create stories that contextualize the power of you, your singularity as a form of expression. So for me, it was doing translation, but oral translation, and then having a superimposition of art and imagery that would be super abstract and having representations of people in uh, color that we never see operating within those spaces and then just adding more depth to all of those layers, right? So you start small, then you just add up all the different things that come up when you think about what I just mentioned, and then you have a system. And that systemic approach allows, you know, empowers you to make sure that you are, you know, just pushing the edge of your depth further. And art becomes how you create that elasticity from the typical expressions that you've had to what you're now creating on purpose. So that would be an example of how you think of everything that you are that makes you such uniquely empowered, you know, expressor of art and everything you are not expected to be based on the arbitrary standards that we have that are imposed onto us. And then you look at what happens when those two parts of you, the part of you that is real and the part of you that is perception, they coexist. And that dissonance becomes your art because it's disruption. It's, you know, eye opening and it's also paradigm shifting. And that becomes a different kind of story that you get to share with others.
0: I love that, and I, I really like the idea of kind of starting small with this, and then layering in all the things that come up as you're reflecting and as you're as you're building from your identity and from your backstory. But starting with like a small thing, like like a a, tan, a more tangible thing that you can begin with, and then layering into it. So you know, we're a business podcast for artists, right? So how do artists leverage those things that make them unique? to become attractive to let's say brands the artists who might work with a company uh, to do branding artwork and then elevate the level of like the deals and opportunities that they come across that they can make for them in their work
2: yeah definitely I feel ultimately you can have the best product or art piece but it's all about how you language that into power to you know potential partners and so I'm thinking you know different tools that I've been using that have been really great is, you know, MailChimp and Canva, but explaining those in different ways. What I tend to do is, you know, when you think of outreach strategies to people, I look at what is being done on a mainstream level and how do I get to transcend that? And a lot of the the thing that becomes a differentiator between me and other people oftentimes is my art, right? So I would use art even within the messaging, so even instead of just a regular email, I create, you know, mini templates, but I basically personalize them as I would for a regular email. But now when you think of you as an artist, you have your branding, you have your logo, you have your picture, you personalize it. I use um, different technology even to have quick videos. So I can use Loom or I can use what video ask, because then they can see that I put time and effort into this. And I don't need to be a videographer girlfriend to have mad skills to create something of value. And what comes through is your authenticity, already your singular and your, you know, preposition, then people are intrigued to get into the value of it. And when they get to the value, your contributive point of value, you want to make sure that let's say you look at that partner's profile online. I take a minute to write down the kind of vocabulary that they use to describe their brand and what they are aspirationally driven by. So that when I look at what I can package as an offering to them, I am reintegrating their vocabulary so that it echoes their language, so that it's relatable to them, so that they see the value more easily. And then I just make sure I use you know powerful vocabulary to then support what I do. So I can have a short list of things like high impact or next generation or next level, depending on what the project is, and the combination of me, you know, using impactful language to self-describe. Me reutilizing their own language that they use for their own specific branding, me going the extra mile and using my art as another way to brand myself competitively, you know, across the market and me taking those extra minutes to make sure that I personalize everything, quick videos, it could be sound bites, but anything like that and make it all short and sweet. Then I have this kind of template and I just customize it depending on who's the person and if this is a follow-up email or the first time. but Even though I have those templated formulas, I always take extra minutes to personalize it so that ultimately it reads like a personal email. It's just that, you know, visually it's so much more arresting and it's difficult to forget. So those are things I feel as an artist are very great assets for us to have because that kind of artistry translates itself into a competitive edge ultimately from a business perspective. And so that's the process of me messaging in terms of me reaching out and connecting. You know, earlier on, I talk about trans intelligence. So I go into spaces where maybe there are not that many artists, because that also makes me a singularity on their market. And I sit in listening to what they're talking about, how they talk about it. Then I go back to the work that I already have. And I think of how am I basically bridging a gap? That they have? And how can I be in alignment with even future events or marketing that they have ongoing? And then I just reach out to them using the formula I shared. And that's how you implement it. And ultimately, it's always a numbers game, you can have the best process. So I make sure that I always hit a certain quota per day or per week. And then all I need is a one yes. And when I land that yes, then I look at who are their partners, and then I can replicate the same strategy but now I'm already integrated within that network and those people can introduce me to them so they can ensure that at some point, somebody down the line is actually going to open up my email and then I have a foot in the door.
0: So one, you just need one yes. And anything anything you're working on, anything you're working towards that involves other people, you're just looking for the yeses. There will be no's, there will be no responses, but you need that yes. And... You know, And I think people get hung up sometimes on the nose and that's not a good way to go. You're really working for that, yes. You also mentioned having a quota for outreach. And let's say you have a goal that you require you need to reach out to brands or to companies or art fairs or galleries, whatever it may be for you, and having a quota. And then also I would add having a scheduled time when you'll follow up is so vital versus just... Doing it in one burst and then hoping something happens and then waiting, you're not going to get to that yes that way. You might, but your chances are much lower. So having that, like, discipline to be able to continue on is so important. I also like something you said about looking for these spaces where maybe there aren't a lot of artists vying for that brand's attention or for that organization but there is a need for it and then bridging that gap. So, you know, rather than maybe entering into something where there's thousands of people applying, which, okay, you're, you're kind of throwing a penny into a wishing well or whatever, maybe you're really amazing, you're going to get it, which is incredible, but maybe finding something where there's clearly a need for what you have and provide, but there aren't, you know, many, many people swirling around there competing for it. And I think that's a really, really good way to approach these kinds of brand collaborations. So, we're gonna come right back, and Cheseline is gonna tell you more of what you wanna know about community building, networking, and much more. But first, a quick message from our sponsors
1: New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world slash offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world.
0: And we are back. So. Justine, what are your top four strategies for networking and community building?
2: Well, I would say I always start with something that is organic. So let's say I get that yes. Am I getting that yes and feel anxious now that I have to comply with the expectations of the contract? Or am I excited to get that? Like I was saying, I, I would nurture you know those organic connections, people that irrespective of the work, I would definitely want to engage with. And I would start with the lowest hanging fruit. So I mentioned earlier the platform Clubhouse that you can download for free now on both Android and iPhone. And they have rooms by topic. So I go, you know, I make kind of a laundry list of all the rooms that I'm really interested in. And when I walk in, my purpose is I start as in as a listener, but I need to end up as a speaker. And if there's great resonance in that room, then I can commit to coming back over and over again. When I go there, I check out people's profiles in the room. They are oftentimes connected to their Instagram. So let's say those are fellow artists, for example, or brands. I can have a sense of what they do. They have their profiles and their bios, and I can start connecting like this and say, hey, remember, we were on the same room on Clubhouse. And when people talk, I take notes so that I have something meaningful that I can use as a means to re-initiate, you know, uh, the report. Um, it also shows, again, that you go the extra mile, that you are serious, that you're committed, that you did your homework, and it comes from a place of genuineness. And that automatically leads to something great. So I keep it short and sweet, and I make reference to the context in which we met. And then from that place, you know, I look at, I would have a line along the lines of, hey, I would love to connect, let's jump on a call together, I was so inspired. I would love to have a chat, you know, depending on what the context is. And then I follow up. Like um Alex was saying, it's all about being pleasantly persistent as uh, some of my coaches were saying. But I would say when you invest so much time and thought in the process, you want to make sure that you're only going for something that is aligned. And me going for the lowest hanging fruits me- means maybe maybe it's a mid-sized brand or people that have the capacity and the investment and, you know, working with people that don't have particularly established profiles, but have a lot of words to provide. So I would also be strategic so that every time then I engage the sequence that I'm going to follow up with them, I know that those people, they're close enough in range that they will have a higher level chance that it will get back to me at some point. So I would say, start with things that you're generally interested in, be organic, be simple. And when you see them in different capacities, take notes and those notes allow you to create a hook That is truthful to the context. And it makes you, you know, a memorable uh, connection for them to be interested in and say, yeah, it's so true. I remember you and follow through consistently. And as soon as you can get it in, just do it because that's how you build the momentum forward. So big platforms for me have been Clubhouse. Most definitely Instagram is being a beautiful place, a favorite of mine too. And then I've had meetup as well in the past. So. Um, I run my own meetup group, but I would go to others. And it's the same process if you keep track of the people who make comments that really blow your mind, or you love their spirit, you love their energy, you can see in the alignment. And then you just think of how am I going to repurpose that experience that I've had into a hook of connection for them to recognize the value as reciprocally as I did.
0: Now, I think this is like gold for networking right because networking has to be authentic it can't be like hey i got your business card like blah 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 you know you have to connect with something so taking those notes and really kind of gauging like that person who says something that blows your mind they're like they have this great idea that you attach to and then when you reach out to them you can say hey you know that that thing you mentioned at that event like that resonated with me because xyz and it's not, you know, not to mince words, it's not BS. It's it's something you authentically believe. That connection is going to be a lot stronger, and you can actually take it somewhere. And I think that that transcends industries, that t- that transcends art. I mean, it's really all networking. That's what differentiates good networking from bad networking. And so I'm really glad you shared that. That's I I completely agree with you on all of it. And I also, you know, we're in this, and you also dropped some really great networking platforms, Clubhouse, which admittedly, I'm not as involved in as I could be, but I have a lot of friends who really enjoy it. Instagram, which I am, and I've met, you know, wonderful friends, honestly, through Instagram, through the different communities I'm involved in, and and also physical meetups, like through meetup, whenever that is, you know, more possible. I don't know to what extent it currently is, but these are all great ways to meet people that you can have these connections with. Yeah, I just I really love all that we've all that you brought to the table here. I think it's all really interesting for the artists out there who are listening. Uh, is there anything else we want to give them in terms of, uh, of tools and strategies in networking?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, as you were talking to, I feel you choose a platform that speaks the most to you. You don't have to be on all simultaneously. And when you start getting traction there, you can also refine the scope and you don't have to keep going. It depends on your capacity. So now I'm at a place where I have a lot of projects I'm managing because of, you know, those amazing co- connections I've made on Instagram and Clubhouse. So I'm not as invested as I was, but I do have a good flow. And I guess the last thing I could add is whenever possible, you can join a group. Um, so this way, you know, you're always in the know of what's going on and you can also launch your own room. So let's go with Clubhouse. Let's say you're there. You can start your own group within, you know, one that is more established so you could even attract the people that you want. And you're bringing in the traction from that pre-existing network and you're just activating it for your own scope. So that's also a smart way to leverage, you know, connections that you can have. And I would say, don't be silent. So every time I come in into a room with a purpose to network, my presence needs to be different from the week before. So if I'm going to be as silent as I was, like I'm missing the mark because I'm not going to be able to make that lasting impact that will make it so that when I reach out to that person, they have something specific to remember me by. And so you're more visible as well, right? So if I'm going to be there for 15 minutes, well, what can I do different in those 15 minutes that I can create engagement around myself so that I am memorable to others in the same way that others can be made memorable to me? So for me, it was first, I'm a listener to gauge the space. Then next week, I'm a speaker. I have maybe one or two questions. And then I got Bob Tom to be like a co-moderator and a co-host of a space. So to have, just focus on the one. It feels right You stay there. And then you just learn to be smarter, every time you enter that room.
0: I love that. But this is all really, really great advice. And I would say, guys, go back and listen to this again and take notes for sure. We are kind of coming to the end here. And I want to kind of bring it home with one more question for you. So we talked a little bit about resources like MailChimp and Canva. Let's give like one or two really specific ways that you can use MailChimp and Canva to amp up your brand and keep up with your audience in an engaging way.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, so far, I've, I focus on, you know, how you can use it for outreach for one on ones. But if you think of a more general audience, um, just recently, there's something I found that I really love. So um, those templates you can find online, but I'm using it on Canvas. So let's say you're planning your content strategy for the month. And on average, you have, let's say 25 to 30 posts that you're going to have for Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever. There's an option where you can have a big slate. And you fit all of your 30 or 25 posts on the same, on the same post on, um, on Canva. And then what I do is it cuts a lot of time because I don't have to apply focus on each specific post, which makes it more time consuming. So I would, I could, you know, clear out, let's say 15 minutes, an hour, two hours, depending how long it is. Then everything is brand consistent. Then you use the software, which is free and it splits the images for you. And I have all my content for the month. So. I find that to be a time saver. It's brand consistent. And what I did was I went on Pinterest and it gives you ideas for topics that like you could use for the whole month. And in that you have specific posts that are more promotion targeted or other things. So you get to be smart about it. So that's why I get inspiration on what I'm going to put on the post. Then I'm clear on the quantity and being very time efficient with producing. Then all I have to do is schedule them. And you can also schedule when those specific posts are going to be released through Canva, so that's a fun way that you have engaging dynamic brand consistent content that you do very like in a very consolidated time frame and then you move on with you know the other things that you want to do so that would be a beautiful way that you can do that and then to make the connection back to the networking you can also do collaborations with other partners or brands or artists and do instagram takeovers and to also host lives together. So I've done a lot of lives and it was a continuation of the conversations I had with them on Clubhouse. So there are ways that you can re-leverage the same context of the initial connection as something to bring more visibility to your, to your work as an artist and to their brand as businesses. But it produces engagement for your communities as well. So as I was planning for my content for the month, I knew I was going to have a few Instagram lives for with new connections from Clubhouse. So I would also put that into my content. So there's a way that it all comes down together. And for you, it's no more work and it's, you know, more visibility and smarter work all around.
0: I love that. We can definitely get behind smarter work. So you, everybody, you're going to want to listen again. You're going to want to take notes on this because this is all really valuable information for making your lives easier and easier to run your art business. And this has been a wonderful conversation. Let's bring it home for our listeners out there. What call to action do you want to share so that our listeners can take full advantage of Cheslin, Inc.?
2: I would say definitely Instagram. So, you know, we can reach out there and talk and you could even implement the networking strategies that just share with you and say, hey, you know, I found you on that podcast. Let's have a conversation. But that's where I post all of my content and I let you know about my uh, upcoming events. So I have a masterclass series coming up. So I would say Instagram. So it's just Cheslin, P.P., and you can find me there. So that's my more uh, my most active platform.
0: I love it. And to all of you business artists out there, Cheslin has been here with us today sharing their amazing perspective with you. Like I said, you're going to want to go back and listen to this episode again, which you can do on our website at www.superfine.world. To connect with Cheslin, you can follow them at PP on Instagram and visit www.chesslyn.com. All of that will be in the show notes as well. As always, remember, we are super fine art fair on Instagram, and we always appreciate whenever you share us, if you're listening to and benefiting from the artist business plan, it's really lovely to see you in your stories. We appreciate it. We always will reshare that as well. And once again, another thing that we love is if you can take just a moment of your time and write us a review on Apple podcasts, those ratings and reviews that you leave are for one really, really fun for us to read and very rewarding, but they're also critical in helping other artist entrepreneurs, just like yourselves find us and listen to the show. As always, I want to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. And the quote is from an artist. And it is, if I create from the heart, nearly everything works. If from the head, almost nothing. And it's Mark Chagall. Cheslin, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we're so grateful to you.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: The pleasure was all mine. Everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder/professional artist James Milley, join us in leaders in the art marketing and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this in all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney@superfine.world, and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney@superfine.world.